Let's keep in touch, let's keep in touch, keep in touch with me. Drop me a line any old time. So Melanie, who do we have with us today? Our guest today is Liliana Maria Arias Orego. Did I say that correctly, Liliana? Yes, you did it perfectly, but you can just call me Lily. <laughs> okay, Lily. Uh, Lily is the academic coordinator at, um, of the Children and Youth Program at Colombo Americano Medellin, that's Binational uh, English Language Center in Colombia. And she's a 20 year veteran of teaching and English language teaching. And I had the great pleasure of working with Lily and a number of her colleagues at various centers across Colombia in the summer of 2020. Um, working all on online teaching and making that uh, engaging. So I think we're going to have a great conversation just kind of thinking about the impact that COVID-19 has had and that switch to online teaching has had on teaching and learning. So Lily, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I'm very happy to be sharing this, this time with you. It's a different thing. I was eager to do it. And I'm very happy and I'm ready to, to talk. To Yay. Chat. Uh, me too. Me too. So yes. Lily, I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into this field. Okay. How did I, how did I get so far? So, okay. Since the beginning of the universe, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. All my life, I, I said that I was going to be a teacher. It was one of my dreams when I was a little girl. But then when I finished high school, um, I, I went to the U.S. and I was a senior in a school in Indiana, in Connellton. I don't know if anyone over there can hear me, but I really, really like that town. And I have a very what town? What town? Connellton, Indiana. It's very, very far away from everything else. I think I was the only foreigner, a Spanish person over there, but it was great. It was I bet. Very, yes, it was a great experience. And I practiced my English over there. And then when I came back, I said, I don't want to be a teacher. I want to use my English to do something else. Because my dad told me, why don't you learn English? Maybe in the future, that will help you with something. That's what my dad said when I was 16 years old. So sure. when I came back, I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to be a teacher because being a teacher is... It's very hard and it's not very appreciated. So I'm going true. to do something else. Yes, it is true. Now I know it is true. <laughs> so uh, I studied communication and I graduated as a communicator. But when I was finishing my career, I wanted to work. So they offered me a job teaching English to preschoolers because I really love kids and I, I had a good level of English. And at that moment, it wasn't so, it wasn't such a big deal if you didn't have like a degree or you didn't have a, a huge background because they were little ones, they were preschoolers right. and everyone thinks that's very simple. So I said, let's do it. I like kids. I know English. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? <laughs> <laughs> that was very funny. So I started and I realized it, it was very hard. It was almost impossible if you didn't have a background on teaching and pedagogy and many things that the little ones require. 
I'm not saying that if you're teaching youth or if you're teaching adults, you don't need that. But what I do want to say, and I think, I mean, it's one of my strongest beliefs is if you teach preschoolers, you can teach anyone, anyone. Because preschoolers, wow. because when you teach preschoolers, you have to have plan A, B, all the, you know, all the letters and then A2 version, a, a, you know, like different plans, different activities, because they test you all the time. And, and you, you can't, you know, my dad loves to say you will never win an argument with a four-year-old. No, and you can't <laughs> fool them and you, you don't fool them. I mean, it's not like they are not what you think you, they are. They are innocent and they don't know better. They do know better and they appreciate everything that you do. And they say, teacher, are you not prepared? Are you lost? Oh, no. <laughs> or, they say, or they say things like, no, no, no. My teacher Lily told us that you don't pronounce that word that way. I had one, <laughs> I had one coworker that when I went to my maternity leave, she called me and she said, please, give me lessons so I can teach your kids because they are driving me crazy. Nothing that I do or say it's correct because teacher Lily said it wasn't a different. And I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. But it's because, because they feel when you are feeling it. So making the long story short, I started to read documents and things about pedagogy and about preschoolers and about how to how to make that hour and a half bearable for them and for me mm-hmm. because I couldn't quit because I I told my boss I can do this so I wasn't going to say I cannot do it because I'm not a quitter right so and it's I- interesting that you said that you thought teaching preschoolers was going to be simple because <laughs> okay. actually it's so complicated and that's such a crucial age in a child's development. Like I, I, you know, I have a theory that the only reason people think it's simple is because usually moms are the ones left to do it. So how hard can it be? Actually very. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, Melanie, if one thing let COVID left us. Okay. The other day on the radio, on the morning show that I always listen to, the hashtag was one good thing about COVID. And my husband said, there is nothing good about COVID. And I said, I disagree. One good thing is that personally, I got to spend real time with my husband and my kid, more my husband than my kid, because my kid and I have been together for 70 years. Lucky for me, not so lucky for him. But with my husband, you know how husband and wife life is. Okay, bye-bye. Have a good day. Okay, hello. How was your day? That's it. And you go yeah. on vacation, but on vacation, you have a book, you have the ocean, you're sleeping late, it's different. One good thing was that. The other good thing is that I got my dream job back, remember? Not back. Yes. I got my dream job. Yes. That I wanted. And the other thing is that everyone or a lot of people realize teachers are very important. Seriously. Yes. Like, when moms say, or when dads say, oh, but the teacher could do better. That la- last year, they were like, teacher, you're great. Everything that you do, please, just please take them for five hours, for two <laughs> hours. And it's not easy. And I had one friend, she called me one day. I'm not kidding. She called me crying. And she said, I will pay you. 
if you come to my house and play with my kids. I will pay you because I'm a lawyer. I did not study for this. I yeah. cannot do this every, I mean, like for one hour, it's okay. But every yeah. day you have to cut, you have to paste, you have to draw, yeah. you have to learn, you have to, no. So that's one good thing. It's, it's okay. It's 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 really hard yeah. um and i think uh i think you're right i think a lot of parents i mean i have a lot of sympathy for parents who yes. have their children at Definitely. home it's it's very very difficult particularly if both parents are working full time from home i mean uh, that's that's really tough. So I kind of think we're naturally leaning towards this. I'm wondering how you have found the impact of COVID-19 and the move to technology on your work, on your students, on your classes, all of it. Okay. Um, I have to say that when this uh, COVID-19 issue started, I was in a different job and I was doing different things than the ones that I do now. Mm -hmm. I was a virtual teacher for adults, for English for adults in a university that I was the academic coordinator for the language program, for the English program. So I kind of knew, I mean, I kind of handled technology, but it was because I threw myself at that and because I took the risk of being a virtual teacher, which mm -hmm. at the beginning for me was very difficult because one, I'm very kinesthetic. Two, I'm a preschool, I'm a natural preschool teacher. So I cannot, I could not picture at that time teaching through a screen mm -hmm. because I'm a preschool teacher. So right. even when I teach adults, I don't get the puppets out. Of course not. But I think I, you could, but that's just I could, me. <laughs> yes. But yeah, me too. But but adults then like, no, the puppets are too much. And I'm like, okay, okay, no puppets. But I did the cutouts and I did the games and I did the running dictations and many things that people think that because they are adults, they cannot do them. Of course, adults need to have more fun than kids. Kids have fun on their own. That's when a great are, way to put it. That's yes, a great when we way are adults, we forget how to have fun. We forget how to have fun. Plus, yes. I personally think when you're learning a language, you know, you can feel really intimidated, really scared Definitely. and nervous. And so there's something about getting the puppets out yes. uh, with adults that they start laughing and they, they relax a little bit and then they I'm, open to learning some more. I remember one thing that I was going to say and, and I'm going to link it to what you're saying. I always thought when I started like seriously taking seriously being a preschool teacher and when I decided I'm going to be a preschool teacher. Like this is what I'm going to be and I'm going to do it really good and I'm going to study and I'm going to be like really professional about it. I also decided that for me, it was a very, a very big responsibility that the kids fall in love with the language because if uh. I didn't do it right, then they were going to be traumatized and then we were going to face teenagers and adults who were trying to learn a language uh, and in this case English and they were going to say things like I'm very bad I cannot do it I have been a bad learner since I was in school 
Because, oh my gosh, you're nailing it. Yes. So that's what I thought. And I, I remember I used to tell all the parents of all my little ones, I used to tell them, I promise your kids are going to have fun and they are going to fall in love with English. I love and that. I, remember, I want to be in your class. <laughs> I remember parents saying, I want to be a teacher. And I remember, I remember parents saying, Liliana, that's what happened to me. I'm afraid of teaching. I'm afraid of learning English. I'm afraid yeah. because it was difficult because they made fun of me because the teacher ridiculed me in front of everyone. Yeah. So I thought, and because everyone kept saying, no, you're not good for this. No, you're not, oh, no, forget it. English for you. No, no, forget it. So that's one thing. And the second thing that I, I used to tell my adults students when I started teaching adults was I want you to look at the English class as you look at the for example going to the gym you know like when you put your clothes on you're thinking should I go or should I stay like the song but then once you're there you're like okay I'm gonna give everything that I have because I feel good about myself so I told them if you're gonna do it let's have fun and you might as well learn so it's a you win situation. This is so great. And as you're talking, I'm thinking of a few things. One, I'm thinking about the perspective that you learn English as a second or I don't know, is English your second language? Or yeah, third? my second. Yeah. So so when you do that, so I think this is sometimes difficult for people for whom English is a first language to understand that there is a lot of pressure to learn English because of the advantages it opens up to you. Because you said English it because your dad is the said universal that. language of the world. And exactly, exactly. So one thing that kind of strikes me is that, you know, I speak French and un poco de español, but oh, <laughs> just a little. Uh, gracias. <laughs> um, but when I learned those languages, I did it because I wanted to. I of wanted course. to. I was interested in it. Um, I liked it, but nobody made me. Nobody said you have to do this or you're never going to get a job. And so these days I meet teachers occasionally who say things like, you know, my student really seems to hate English. And I and, and some of them take it very personally. And I feel like, hey, you got to let that go because you forget they had to learn this language. And the other thing that you said that I think is so interesting is talking about those experiences that people have in the classroom when they're very young that can be really traumatic. I have a friend for whom uh, French is their first language. They were the worst English student for eight straight years. That person is probably one of the most proficient English speakers I know now. What is the difference? Uh, well, when he was living in America, he met his wife, who's American, and then he had a motivation, you know, like, yeah. um, but I mean, that's somebody who was perpetually last in the class. And that tells me so much about how the mindset does that. Now they have a child and my friend was telling me that her son, who she spoke English to his entire life, and I know understands English, was also doing poorly in his class. And I said, well, you know what? He doesn't want to be the weird kid who magically speaks this. You can't put too much pressure on him. You're just going to 
um, have him not want to do it. There's so much about your identity and your view of yourself that is wrapped up in learning in general. Of course. It always comes out in language learning, I think. I'm going to tell you what happened to me with my kids. I started speaking English to my kids when I, find out, when I found out that I was pregnant. That's how crazy I am. <laughs> when I found out that I was pregnant, I said, he's going to be bilingual before everything else because he's going to have you know, an English teacher mom. How cool. Okay, the first thing is that's not cool at all, okay? Having a mom who speaks English and she's a teacher is not cool. Okay, right. I found out that. Okay. The second thing is that I label my house, ventana, window, puerta, door, fridge, nevera, everything. So he was not only going to speak the languages, he was going to learn how to read and write in two languages. Oh, because I'm the greatest mom and teacher ever. <laughs> Second thing that I found out that I wasn't such a great mom or teacher because, because when he was two years old and he could put all the words together, he said to me in Spanish, who are you and why do you talk to me like you're my teacher? <laughs> and I said, but I'm your mom. And he goes like, so please stop talking to me like a teacher and talk to me like my mom. How funny. And I was like, okay, okay. And he was two years old. Okay, so I got the message and I started speaking in English, uh, in, in Spanish and lower my English. And then when he was like six, he was doing very poorly, not only in English, but also in Spanish, hmm. both languages. He didn't want to learn how to read or write. And when I asked him, he was like, I, I'm just tired. I'm just mm -hmm. tired of the languages. And I was like, okay, whose fault is that? Very good, Liliana. So when I stopped all of that, he started to read and write in Spanish. And then like when he was eight or nine years old, we went to the States for the, no, when he was seven, we took him to the States and he wanted to play in a playground with kids. And he came and he said, mom, how do I say in English? Can I play? I mean, puedo jugar. And I said, oh, this is your chance, Liliana. This is your chance. <laughs> and I was like, sure. You can the say, can I play moment. with you? Yes. Can I play with you? And he goes like, okay, mom, thank you. And he went and then he came back. Mom, how can I ask if it can be my turn? And I said, and then when we got back to the hotel, he said, Mom, starting this moment, I want you to tell me everything in English because I want to ask for my food. I want to yeah. play with kids. And I was like, okay, Liliana, lesson number three for your kid and for students and for life. Motivation or not even because you're, you have motivation like something that makes you happy, happy, but you have, remember Melanie when we used to say, make it meaningful. Okay. Yes. Yes. So going back to virtual, going back to virtual, you can have the best tools, the best Zoom accounts, the coolest computer. But if you don't make it meaningful for your students and they don't see that you're having fun with the class, even though it's virtual, you're not going to do anything. I mean, no, nothing agree. is going to happen with your kids or with adults or no, it's not going to happen. That's why for parents, it has been so tough because they have to learn to help the kids learn. So it's, you know, like when they have, 
I think when, when parents get the grasp of what the kids are learning, it became easier for everyone in the house to, you know, to, to adapt to this online learning and teaching and online living. How, I mean, because when I spoke to you, when we were working on our course together, it was a lot about uh, trying to make things engaging, trying to make things mm -hmm. effective online and things that came up. Uh, one thing, and it's, it, you just reminded me of it because you mentioned parents, was getting parents on board, getting them to understand what was happening online and all of that. So I'm wondering what the experience has been like for you guys. Do you remember, Melanie, that when you came, I was new at yes, my job? Yes, I do. Yep. And I was very concerned about parents because I feel, I mean, I had the experience with a teenager doing his senior year. It's totally different. For me, it was, you know, like the experience of struggling with a teenager who didn't want to bathe, who thought taking lessons without, I mean, like without getting a shower was okay. But that was the hardest part for me. But mm. I mean, my work and my job was done pretty much. Mm. But when you have a preschooler, like you have to, you know, help that, that little yeah. one cut. Or when you have a seven, nine year old that still depends a lot on the teacher, that was very hard for parents. So remember, that was my concern. Yeah. And remember, and you know what I did? It was like, I said, okay, this is like parents became also a student, you know? Yes, absolutely. Teach yeah. teachers, teachers became a student. Parents became a students and the students were students. So we had three types of students. So yeah. with the teachers, okay, let's, let's help them. Let's give them tools. And let's remind them that they can make it simple because when you get too complicated, everything gets complicated. The second thing with, with parents, I, what I did was like, okay, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to show them, okay, this is what we do. This is what the teacher is doing. This is how you enter the platform. Do you have any questions? This is my email. You can write to me, Liliana, I'm sorry to bother. No, you are not bothering. I mean, you're not bothering. I have 50 emails, but it's okay. You're not bothering. I'm going to help you. So I think that when you, when you put, I mean, like it's a, it's a golden rule. You just have to put on the other person's shoes. So if you're thinking yeah. about parents, they don't understand. They also they've have never, They've never done this. No, they are parents, not teachers. Yeah. Because that combination goes wrong. With you're the teacher of your son, that doesn't work. Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> so so I one of the things that I did, Melanie, was that I, I started a lot of communication channels. I created yeah. a bulletin. I kept them informed. Like, okay, this is what's going on. This is my pitch. I put a face to the coordinator's office. This is Lily. I'm the coordinator. Look at my face. I'm always smiling. I'm never stressed. Never. Ah, so, ah. so parents were like, oh, okay, I have a face. Then, okay, this is what we're doing. That's the third thing. Okay, I'm going to give you chances to meet with us. So I have this, this hour, but you can't. Okay, so I have this, and this other hour. I mean, like, I was trying to think, okay, let's make this easy for everyone because I don't want parents being angry, complaining, 
okay? And the other thing that I did was I told teachers, you need, I mean, I know it's more work for you, but at the end, it will be less work if you keep parents informed. It's easy. Mm -hmm. If you keep, if you, you know, post the information, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to finish this idea. If you post the information, if you post it, it's there. Yeah. You share the information and then you post it and it's simple. Okay, maybe you have two parents who didn't read it, but if you tell them, go there, it's there, it was there, even if they get upset, they are going to be less upset. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what, what I was going to say is that that's such a great point that you made about ensuring that you had information and that you were sharing information. Um, like, I can't remember, there was some very successful CEO who would always send like a weekly update to, to her team, even if she didn't even have any news. It was still, she, the, her team was hearing from her and it Definitely. really, it really bonded the team well. And it's true. Absence of information makes us start thinking a lot and maybe. Definitely. And, and I, the exactly. other thing is, is the, the absence of information or a lot, I mean, like, because when I started, when I got this position, everyone told me, okay, Liliana, it's the beginning of the semester and of the semester and you have to send a, a bulletin and the bulletin has to contain and I was like whoa 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 we are getting everything online we don't have the time to read everything that we're getting plus mm. we are mothers and we're wives and we're co and we're employees and maybe bosses and we're also daughters and we're also friends. teachers of our and friends and so I'm, I'm not reading all of these emails so I said I'm going to do it as we do with the students by chance. So, okay, this is the information for the beginning. Here you go. So, one month, one month after that. Okay, so we're in September. This is the information for September. There you go. It was, I mean, it was a great idea. It was the worst idea for me because <laughs> I had to do one of those, but it was great because what you say, the lack of information or sending them a bulletin of five pages both sides? No, no, I'm, I'm just. So you're, you're right. I mean, and, and there is such a thing as uh, information overload, but this yes. idea of keeping clear communication channels, it's so beneficial for so many reasons. First of all, I mean, if we look back on this past year, I think one year, one word I would use to describe it is volatile. Like there have just been changes all the time. Well, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. When there is uncertainty, one of the things that really helps people is communication. Even if, as you said, Amy, there's really nothing new to report. It just says, look, we're out there, we're paying attention. We will let you know when there's new information. It also provides a sense of stability because if I don't know what's going on with my class, well, hey, great, I always know where to go to find information on this. It's really useful. And then the final thing is, I think because we are all online or many of us have been online, recreating that feeling of connection, the feeling of connection with your students, 
with their their parents you know that is actually really important for a lot of reasons it helps the students learn better and honestly if you can have the parents on your side things are going to be so much easier okay. so you need to communicate with them so that they feel like they know what's going on if they don't they're going to feel less secure and they're going to start filling in those gaps <laughs> with the, the other thing melanie about. is if they feel like they don't have the information they are going to be mad at you and if anything happens, even if it is not your responsibility, because you you left that little tiny crack, that's where they are going to stick, you know, and they're going to go through there and they're going to say, it is your fault. You're the teacher. You didn't say, you didn't post it. <laughs> and the other thing is, I learned this, I learned this in the other course that I took. And I thought was one of the greatest things. And it was like, Remember that that information, you say it, and then you post it. Yes. And they, I mean, like, because there are people who pay attention, and they get it at the first time, and they are people like Lily, whose mind is like a newborn kitty. So I'm like, oh, but I'm paying attention, but my mind is just, you know, like this. So I, then I have to read, and if you have parents, with okay this is what we're doing or this is what we did it's here yeah and then you said this is homework and I don't remember but I know where to go and check or the kids because they are also I think one of the huge like the biggest challenges of this COVID-19 for parents and I, I I am one of those is realizing that your kid is more autonomous than you thought, okay? Interesting. Even if they are little ones, because the stress was on us, parents, not them. Right. Because teachers, like, no, no, no. I know he can do it on his own. Yes, he can, because that's what he, that's what he does in school, and you're not there, and he does it. But because you're there, and he's there, and you know kids take advantage of moms and dads. Yes. I can do it, mommy. So mommy stops the meeting and starts cutting because we want them to be perfect so he yeah. can show it online how perfect it was. No, just leave it like, I mean, just just let it be. Just let it I guess I'm glad I, I, I come from a big family and my mother was way too busy to do that stuff. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I come from a small family. I come from a small family and also I only have one child. So I just want everything to be perfect. And I learned, <laughs> no, I, I learned that. And I also realized it with kids. And when I saw them at the end of the year, showing their project and showing through, I think parents were amazed at the, I mean, like how they did it. I saw seven, yeah. five years old. Good morning, teacher. This is my project. My mom, my dad. And I saw the mom behind going like this yeah clapping and very excited and I was like pretty cool yes it was pretty cool and the teachers did a great job because for the teachers was one day okay leave the classroom go home open your computer go through zoom and start teaching and that was it yeah yeah it was pretty abrupt how are people doing now would you say well, I think the challenge now, and I said it when we were taking the course with you, Melanie, the challenge is not to go back as we, as we were doing things before, because we came a long way, 
because we gain a lot of things, because we learn a lot, parents, students, teachers, administrations, and I think we cannot, okay, okay, COVID is over, let's go back to the same thing. No, 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 okay, COVID is over, one day it's going to be that. Now it's like, we don't know if it's worse, if it's good, if the vaccine is coming, if it's going, we don't know anything, but this is a new year. So if we're going to go face to face, but we're going to also be online, how are we going to combine that, okay? Mm. Because we cannot, we cannot go back. What we, you know, but like think... when we walk, we cannot come back. No, because we gain a lot because what we're doing now with teachers, because tomorrow we have our first training of the year. Uh -huh. And I have three more weeks before the little ones start. And the biggest challenge is that, okay, teacher, even if we go back to the site, even if you go back face to face, there, first of all, there are some things, you know, you cannot pass around the ball anymore, or pass the puppets. Right, no. all the restrictions. No. Yes, yeah. that's one thing. The other thing is, what are you going to do face to face and how are you going to support this online? Mm. Okay, because we cannot, we cannot need, I mean, we cannot waste everything that we learned because it was too much. I, I totally agree. And I have said it. I feel like, you know, you can't unring the bell. No, no. But I also think there's a, going to be a lot of pressure to go back to the way things were because uh, first of all, that's what most people know and recognize as school. Actually, mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest reason, but I think another big reason is precisely what you just said. We did it very quickly. So I, when I hear complaints about the effectiveness in online teaching, of course, I agree for many people and for many situations, it is better to be in a face-to-face -face classroom. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I very, I, I also believe that you can have outstanding, excellent lessons that are better than face-to-face -face lessons. It depends on the person, but it also depends a lot on the training that you Definitely. get. And Definitely. quite a few teachers have not really received a lot of training on it. They've, they've just been said, okay, we're using Teams, we're using Zoom, uh, yes. we're using Squalogy, and you're going to be online tomorrow or Monday. And, and, and certainly here in the United States, I don't know about Columbia, but I suspect you're having very similar conversations. There, there's been a lot of push to have kids back in school, you yeah. know, because, because it is better for the parents and certainly for young kids, they need that social interaction. But what I think the cost of some of that is, is rushing this and not thinking, hey, what can we keep from this? How can we incorporate both in this scenario? That's what I think. Yes. Uh, one of the things that we were talking uh, earlier today was that, for example, the support that we provide our students, like the tutoring or the conversation clubs, you can do that online. You can offer that online yeah. because it gives you definitely one of the good and positive aspects of online learning one is that you can do it at some time that you cannot do it face-to-face -face because of time, because of commuting, right? Because mm -hmm. we had moms and dads 
who didn't have the time to take the kid or things like that. Now we can incorporate that to the face-to-face part. Right. So each, I mean, right. The, the kids, the kids and the teachers did the hard part. Now, if they go to the site, I mean, this is me dreaming. If they go mm-hmm. to the to the to the site, they take the class. They are there for one hour and a half. Then they go home. But if they have a difficulty, hey, teacher, can we meet? Okay, yeah. Wednesday at three, you're going to connect, and I am going to give you that support. So we have the best thing of both. That's yeah. one thing. That's one good thing. The other thing is definitely that some for, so for some students that lived very far, they can now use it and they can right. now connect and they can, okay. And yeah, the that's other, huge. The other thing that I thought was one of the best and was one of the ones that I supported the most and I started doing that when I was a virtual teacher for my adults, is that I told them, I am going to record the classes. And yes. I am going to upload them. And if you can come to my class, I'm not going to erase the absent. You're mm. still absent in my class. You're going to have the, you know, like the act. Right. But, yes. But, and, and I told them, and you're going to miss the fun, you know, the live fun. <laughs> You'll miss all the fun. Yeah. Miss the fun. It's not the same laughing alone. Exactly. But I told them, but you're going to have the recording. And if you're in my class, but you're paying attention to me and you're taking notes, so maybe you miss something, but then you will have your notes and you will have my explanation. And what you understood, plus you're going to have all the videos, which is like right. another type of, you know, a, and you a can resource. watch them as many times as you need to. And I did it when I was a, a virtual teacher for adults. I did it as a teacher, and when I saw that it was good and it was working, I implemented it for all of the teachers at the university. And then when I came to this new job with the little ones. At the beginning, parents were like, I know, so it's going to miss the class. Oh, my God. But then it, the teacher was like, no, 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 don't worry. If you have a situation, you can watch it later or you can watch this part. So I think that's also good, Melanie, because not everyone yes. understands at the same time and at the exactly. same time. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And honestly, to the ability to go back and watch videos as often as you like at your own uh, pace, that's one of the principles of flipped classroom. Uh, that you that do that. I was go- of course, I was going to, to talk about that as well, because if we, if we start thinking about the flipped classroom, not like this oh my God, this is another thing for me to do. No, but yes. like a fun thing. Like, okay, if I'm going to watch a video and I have this student who struggles with listening, the student can watch the video five times and take notes. Yeah. Okay. And then when you come to the class, the student is going to be like, oh, okay, I understood. Okay, I'm, I'm at the level of the rest. So I think it's good. The truth is, that's how we learn a lot of stuff anyway. Like, if you want to teach yourself, I mean, like, you teach yourself or you get some help 
and then you figure out how to do most things, you know, like sure. maybe your, your parents teach you how to tie your shoes. Well, how do you do that? They show you, then you practice, then you do it. Uh, maybe it takes me 20 tries. Maybe you get it in five, but we get it. Does it matter? Not really, because I can do it, you know? <laughs> and in some ways that's better because now I'm not watching you and thinking, oh, well, she got it in five. I needed 20 times. What's wrong with me? Nothing. That's you know, um, so what, uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of our conversation and I just want to ask you, um, what, do you have any predictions, any final thoughts you'd like to share for the future of teaching? For the future, I, I think that we realize that our students, our kids, our teenagers or adults they can give us more than what they give if we let them if we give uh, we, if we give the if we give them the opportunity to do it they they can give us much more if we give them the time because of what you said everyone has a different pace and it's everyone, okay and it's okay i mean it doesn't matter but it's okay the other thing is that I think it's going, it's going to be difficult because we're going to be struggling with the fear of going back. Oh, you're actually, right. You're right. Actually you're right. Yes. It's the fear of going back, but we're also anxious to do it. Yeah. And we're going to need to meet in the middle. It's going to be 2020, but not the lockdown and the virtual part, but 2021. Okay. Go back outside again and do the face-to-face -face part but without without a uh, wasting or putting in a drawer the virtual part that it's so good for yeah, meeting we need to keep that i agree 100 we, we, we will we need to keep it for this type of thing i yeah. mean like for example teasel i went to teasel three years ago when it was in Chicago and it was face-to-face uh -huh. -face, mm -hmm. and I just ran for a week. I ran up and down the convention center <laughs> like a crazy person. And I, that's what I did. I mean, like, I don't know how much I learned, but I run like a crazy person. And so last year we, we felt, we thought like, ah, oh, Tiso is canceled. No, they did it. They did yeah. it online. Exactly. So many people who couldn't connect they connected, right? So I think that for the future, if we if we embrace the fact that our students can do it if we give them time, that our teachers can do it if we give them time and training, time and training, okay? And we and everyone can do it if we you taught me this, Melanie, if we are flexible. Remember with those teachers who didn't connect for every session. Yeah. And you were the one who said, no, but wait a minute. We didn't say that from the beginning. It's not fair. We're going to be flexible. This is how it's going to work. And everyone was happy. I mean, like, it's not, it's not that you're going to lower responsibility. No. no. Or commitment. No. But you can be flexible. Because if COVID taught us something is you need to be flexible. Because I'm here. And I'm staying. And I'm going to turn your world upside down. <laughs> 
I love that. I'm going to close our little conversation out. And I just want to say thanks so much for joining us today and talking to us. And uh, thank you, audience at large, for listening. Please make sure to tune in for more episodes of Talk to Us at Bounce English. Thank you, Liliana. Thank you. Lily, it was so great. We will keep in touch, I promise. Melanie, bye. Thank you for everything. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Your big old crush. Come on, baby. Let's keep in touch. Come on, baby. Let's keep in touch.